Grab yourself a quarantini and sit down with Tim Atwood today on the Music Universe podcast. <laughs> hey, buddy, how are you? I'm good, man. How about you? Oh, I am grand. Uh, this has been a really, really interesting week. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> Put it this way. I'm sitting here. It's a Sunday. I'm wearing a Grinch t-shirt eating a eating a Easter Reese's egg. I mean, nothing matters anymore. Wait, wait a minute. You got two 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 holidays. Jesus holidays. In one. Okay. I, I kind of <laughs> dig it. I'm just wearing a sweatshirt and jeans and it's uh, you know, not too bad temperature-wise outside, I guess, but um, you know, we're just doing our best to stay in. And you know, we talked about all of this COVID-19 coronavirus crap like two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And we were like, eh, what's happening? Everything's falling apart. And yeah. now that was when everything was in motion to fall apart and to shut down and all that. Now we're seeing the stasis. I took a live look last night at uh, Times Square. There, You can do that on YouTube. Yeah. Four people walking through. Four oh at God. midnight on a Saturday night. In on Times Square. In the city that never sleeps. In the city that never sleeps. But I have to say, I'm about as far away from uh, Times Square as I want to be right now. We came back to Pennsylvania. I was uh, sent home. As, as I mentioned, I have another job. Uh, media is my life and, and my 9 to 5. I work in an office in, in Manhattan. And they sent me home on a Tuesday. They said, your position, you can work from home. I said, great. And I came back and I said to Max, I said, let's let's go to Pennsylvania. This was a Tuesday. By Wednesday, my parents had called and said, you guys are coming home, right? We're coming to get you. Yeah, and, really. uh, you know, not only was there no room in the apartment for me to be there and do work and all of us, who you know, and him to be able to do his thing. It's just it's just safer to be here in a house where we I haven't left the property I left the property once, but even then I didn't get out of the car. I, I, I was I was about to ask if you've even left. Uh, very little. My so dad you, has... You've yeah, been there two weeks? It'll be two weeks on Wednesday. Wow. Technically, I'm supposed to quarantine. I'm actually supposed to really technically be on quarantine because about a week after we left, it came down that people who have left New York, quote-unquote, recently need to quarantine, need to not really go to anywhere in public. And it was interesting. I have to give a shout out to uh, this this store. Their name is escaping me and I will find it and I will mention it. But this store where I live, it's an electronics store, but they're also an electronics, they're a, a media services company. So if like a radio goes out, if a radio station has an issue or a or our local TV station has an issue, they're the guys, or they're at least one of the guys yeah. available to to help. And so I went to their website and they said, we're, our showroom is closed, meaning our what we, what we can sell you, microphones and cords and stuff, but our services are, are open. And we had arranged these interviews and I said, look, I said, I work in media. I said, what I'm able to do from home are these podcasts. I said, and I, we kind of left New York in a rush. I don't have everything that I typically would have. I said, I need, I need these cords. And the guy, he was excellent about it. He said, okay. I told him what I needed. He said, I'll call back. I'll call you back. I have an idea. 
So he calls me back and goes, you can pay for it over the phone. We'll put it in the back of our van. We'll put it in the back of our van. You or someone else can come and pick them up, and we don't have to interact. You don't have to touch anything. You can just oh, cool. get the get the equipment you need. So I really appreciated that. And uh, they actually sold me some heavy-duty cords. I'm using a, a phone cord that's about the thickest phone cord I've ever used. I really like it. It's and, very and worth it. You know, I, I knew you were up to something because you called me. And you're like, I'm going to call you back. And so I waited around. I'm like, okay. He'll, he's usually pretty good about that. I don't know. 30 minutes comes. You call me back. Like, oh, yeah, I had to run. Like, what? That's crazy. <laughs> but it's really cool. It's super cool that they were uh, accommodating for that because we've, um, yeah, we got a slew of um, interviews lined up. And uh, we needed to make sure we had all the right gear to, to make these happen. We do. And we will be announcing those names Really, really soon. Uh, I'm sure, buddy, you'll be doing probably a one at a time because you know how that one goes. at a time. Yeah, there's the one that time. I want to do live next week that we're working on, but we don't know if that's going to happen or not. So this isn't any official announcement. I'm just saying I want to copy all the other artists and broadcasters out there who are doing something while we're all sitting around at home and uh, do one of these live. And in my six years of doing podcasts, I've never actually done. A streamed live show. I've done stuff on stage, but I've never done uh, anything broadcast over the internet live. Yeah, it'll be fun if we make that happen. But you know, we we've we've got to iron out a few things, and we just have a couple days if we're going to do that. So yeah, we'll so see what let's happens. talk. Let's talk about the interview we did on Thursday, Mr. Tim Atwood. He was a hoot, wasn't he? Oh yeah, <laughs> I don't think I've uh, interviewed someone quite as. Hootie is him. Uh, it's pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty cool guy. For those who aren't um, familiar with him, he's uh, he was the uh, house piano player at the Grand Ole Opry. He's got over eighty five hundred performances to his name. It's amazing. Yeah, that it is. Y- you know, you. I've. I'm the kind of person. I don't know about you, but I wonder about those people. We did a, twenty fifteen. My. 21st birthday party. It wasn't Vegas. I'd gone to Vegas when I was 20, not 21. <laughs> 2015, I turned 21. Where did my parents take me? Nashville. Nashville. Yeah. I was, we didn't get into the Bluebird. I was livid. I was just beside myself. But one thing we did get to do is we got to go to the Grand Ole Opry and we did the VIP tour where you go behind the yeah. scenes. Yeah, I've done that. Go right. it. it Inside all the dressing room. Well, in their little alcove next to the stage was the band. The whole house band was just there. You know, they were right there. And we we waved to them, talked to them for a minute, and then we saw them on stage because we got to watch the first act. Uh, It was the Gatlin Brothers. We got to watch them from the side of the stage. We didn't get to go in the bleachers, but we watched from backstage. Well, hey, that's, that's a better seat right there, in my opinion. And you get your picture taken... While you're backstage at the Opry and there's people performing behind you uh, when you turn to the camera. So, oh, cool. that's that's that. Uh, and so, I, I've known that it's been a house band. I know that's how they do it. But he really talked about, you'll hear, how they would have to do stuff on the fly. And it takes a certain kind of caliber of musician to do that. You know, and that's what was surprised, so surprising to me about that um that job because yes in studio you are required to listen to a song once and then go you know you write your charts and then go perform it as if you've always played it 
but to hear that that actually happened and we're not going to reveal any more details on that. You have to listen to the whole interview to hear mm-hmm. how that came about, but, um, and hear who the act was cause he does mention them, but, um, pretty cool to actually have, um, have to have done that on numerous occasions. And yes, it is nerve wracking because I've not been at the grand Ole Opry performing, but when I've performed, sometimes they just throw stuff at you. It's like, Oh, where are we going? But <clears throat> you just you just go with the flow, and you just got to get up and do it. But it's pretty uh pretty cool. And uh, I've when all my years in Nashville, which I'll say too, because that's how long I lived there, um, I did tour the Grand Ole Opry, and um, it was a uh, pretty pretty exciting to see. You know, all their lockers and everything. If you've never done it, you need to do it at least once, um, and check it out. And uh, little Jimmy Dickens, his was. Out of order, because, you know, they're always alphabetized, but because he was so small, they had his where he could reach it. So it was pretty uh, interesting in some of the details that they did. But I did it when there wasn't an Opry going, so I didn't get to see anyone perform, but still pretty cool to stand in that circle. What was in order? What was in alphabetical order? Their lockers. Ah, right. Yeah. But his was out of order because uh, of his uh, stature. Yeah, you know, and you should go if you ever get out to Nashville again. You should go tour it again because I saw it post renovation. Oh yeah, I'll definitely the have floods. To. Oh yeah, because I forgot about it. you know I had left <clears throat> right before those. No, yeah, I left right before those floods happened. So I bet my apartment because there was a creek behind it. I, I bet it got flooded pretty badly because the whole town was just. Uh, I it. it I cried because it wasn't the Nashville that I knew when I left. Yeah. It's powerful, powerful stuff. And wonder how this is changing them too. You know, you know, it, it's totally weird to not get tour announcements right now or the tour announcements we're getting are rescheduled shows. I've no one's ever seen anything like it. And, um, you know, I know Tim talks about that a little bit as well because he's uh, he's focused on his uh, solo work now, um, mm-hmm. and I think that'll be uh, a, a fun thing for people to, to check out here. Um, but just to kind of let you know, he's also a member of the world-famous Wheeling Jamboree. Um, he's a Josie Awards Musician's Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, that was uh, awarded this year. He was honored by the Congressional Record for Contributions to Country Music in Washington, D.C. a couple years ago. Just a slew of awards, and uh, of course, the major accomplishment is the 8,500 performances at the Opry. All right, here is our interview with Tim Atwood. Oh, I'm doing great, uh, all things considered. I'm hunkered down at my house at Woodwood. We're we're kind of hunkered down here, me and Roxanne, and the dog and cat. So, just uh, enjoying each other. As long as you got your pets, you're you're set, right? <laughs> yeah, everything's good. We went out and got extra toilet paper today, so we're in good shape. <laughs> at least you can find some. I'm in California. I haven't been able to find any. <laughs> oh no. Well, maybe I need to send you a 12-pack. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Thanks. <laughs> so are you getting restless? Are, is it is Because it, I find with musicians, some, it's just hard to put it down. Are, are you getting restless or aren't you there yet? 
You know, uh, I am getting restless. I, I'm an entertainer, so I love to be out in front of people and entertaining and singing and telling jokes and what have you. We did do a live stream the other day uh, on Wednesday, and we had a two-hour concert, and it was myself and Tim Rushlow, T. Graham Brown, David Frizzell, Wade Hayes, Brian White, Ronnie McDowell, Lulu Roman, and uh, the girl from Inside Edition, Megan Alexander, was our host. But uh, mm. uh, it's terrible to tell a couple jokes, and there's only three people in there, and they've heard it before. They don't laugh. It's not near as satisfying <laughs> as a crowd. <laughs> well, I'm I'm seeing that over 260,000 country fans tuned into that. Yeah, there was over 272,000, and uh, of course, we're all stuck at home. But that's the only way we can entertain people. That's what we need to do. Indeed. Indeed. So, so let me ask you: 38. Let me ask you: 38 years on the Grand Ole Opry. Incredible. Are you still years. with That's them? I'm not incredible. Are you still with them? I'm not quite clear on that. Do you still perform over at the Opry as the house band? No, I am no longer in the house band. Uh, in 2014, I decided that I wanted to go out and do my own thing. I had watched Jimmy Dickens and Porter Wagner, Benny Pearl and Roy Acuff and Jeannie City. I watched all these people entertain, and uh, that was just an education for me. So when I go out now, that's the kind of entertaining I do. I'm going to sing a couple of songs, and we'll tell a couple of jokes, and we'll tell a couple of stories. And uh, so uh, I miss doing the Opry in some ways, but in a lot of other ways, I'm really enjoying being able to uh, let my personality shine rather than just be in the background. Totally get that. Now, back to the Opry, though. What What's it like to have had 8,500 performances. Well, it's amazing, really. I, I look back, and uh, it's amazing how fast life goes. It was just a blink. Uh, little things that happened that, that really made me uh, appreciate that job. Uh, I worked with Mr. Roy Cuff whenever he was alive, and uh, I took my dad with me one day. And my dad was never one of those. He wasn't a real gushy guy. He never told you that he loved you or nothing like that. He was pretty hardcore. But I was playing Wabash Cannonball with Roy A. Cuff, and I looked back, and he's sitting on one of the pews on the stage, and he's crying. And I thought, he doesn't have to tell me that he loves me. I can see that he loves me. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, and, and just like Biddy Pearl was such a great friend. I loved Biddy Pearl. Uh, she had told me years before, she said, you don't need to be here. You need to be in Las Vegas or somewhere. She said, you're too much of an entertainer to sit back and play for other people. But I stayed home, and I raised my kids, and uh, I got to sleep in my own bed every night. And uh, now I go out and travel whenever I can. Uh, of course, it's not possible right now, but I'm looking forward to the chance when I do get to go back. But uh, Miss Minnie used to come out on stage. And I was about 24, 25. I had this full, thick beard. And she would come out on stage and she'd go, look at him, girls. Ain't he pretty? <laughs> and, of course, I would be so embarrassed by that. Then she'd walk over. She'd make me stand up. She'd grab me by the face, kiss me on the lips, and then turn around and go, you know how it is, girls. You don't mind going through a little brush to get to a picnic. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. If I could interview anyone alive or dead, that'd be her. I mean, she was just phenomenal. And then, you know, her name's on a lot of medical buildings down there in Nashville, Sarah Cannon. And uh, she, her legacy is just, will be that. Not only her humor, but her her heart and her ability to uh, have that lasting uh, impression for the medical community. It seemed like she connected with every person she came in contact with. Uh, she just had an un- amazing ability to just make you feel like that you've known her your whole life. Uh, she mm-hmm. was such a, a great spirited person. So, yeah, things like that I wouldn't trade for the world. I remember working one night uh, with Jeannie Seeley, and uh, I'm playing. We're doing some song. It's up-tempo. It's really fast. And I've got this piano solo, and buddy, I am cocked and ready. I'm ready to do this solo and impress somebody. And right in the middle of it, she leans down to me and she says, Atwood, if you make love as good as you play piano, you're awesome. I forgot what (laughs) key I was doing, what song we were doing. And, of course, I told my wife that story, and she went to Jeannie. The first thing she said to Jeannie was, Oh, he's a much better piano player. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. Indeed. Exactly. <laughs> well, oh, that's, a, that's an awesome story. I want to circle back to your, to, your, to your father and how you became a piano player. And you mentioned your father. It was, you know, kind of a stoic person. Did you have a supportive family in, in musical endeavors or was that kind of a rebellion? Was that a tense thing? No, I I grew up with a musical family. All my dad's brothers and sisters uh, played and sang. They all played like banjo, guitar, mandolin, piano. Everybody played something. Everybody sang. Everybody sang harmony. Uh, but my dad also knew that it was a tough life in order to make a living being a musician. Uh, matter of fact, he kind of halfway discouraged me moving to Nashville but I told him, I said, Dad, I've got to go at least try and see what happens. And uh, I worked on the road with Mel Street uh, for about mm. two weeks. I worked with Jim Ed Brown and Helen Cornelius for about three years. And then I went out on the road with Lynn Anderson for about two weeks. And then I started playing in the Opry Staff Band. How'd you get that gig? Uh, the Opry gig? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerry Whitehurst, who was the staff piano player at the time, I ended up being his substitute anytime he couldn't be there. And he was so busy at the time, I, I really started working the, uh, in the staff and at the Opry in 1980. We also did a little TV show called Nashville Now on the TNN network with Ralph Emery. So uh, I did that uh, in order for Mr. Whitehurst to keep both jobs. I would work one Friday night at Nashville Now, and he would work the Opry. Then the next week, I would work the Opry, and he would work Nashville now. And uh, that's, uh, like I said, that's how I really got my foot in the door was with him. Uh, We were doing a TV show with Jim Ed Brown called Nashville on the Road with Jerry Clower and Wendy Holcomb and Helen Cornelius. And uh, Mr. Whitehurst was the music director, and uh, he took a liking to me, and he's the one that kind of put me in that seat at the Opry. And uh, he told me one day, just keep going back till I tell you not to. That was 38 years. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I wish the world worked like that today. 
I'm not from Nashville. I'm actually from Missouri, but I did live in Nashville for a couple of years and made my way. Um, Opry wasn't going on, but made my way to that stage, and that that's so so cool to actually be standing there. I, I can only imagine what it's like to be playing there, for that to be your job, to go there night after night, rehearsing, playing, whatever you're doing, and to actually be able to just play. I, that, that has to be a, a huge, huge, uh, you know, thing for you, you know, to, to be able to just, hey, I get to go do this, you know, just be able to be able to stay calm and go have fun. Yeah, I, I think what was so cool about it was uh, a lot of times we never had the opportunity to even run the song. We did rehearse a lot of times. I remember the first night Trace Atkins was on, he was a last minute ad and mm-hmm. uh, he wasn't even in the building yet, but they said he was coming. And Jimmy Caps, uh, who was the rhythm guitar player at the opera, he wrote a chart and we listened to it as he wrote the chart. So that's the only rehearsal we had. We walked out on stage they put that chart down in front of us, and we played that song with Trace Atkins that night. And I'm talking about a three-minute look at. You never got a, an opportunity, but you would have thought we'd been playing that song our whole lives because it was just a talented, gifted group of musicians that could pull off just about anything you threw in front of them. That's the beauty I love about Nashville is um, you just you have those guys that they just look at that chart and hear that song once and yeah that's what they do in the studio and I didn't realize they did that at the Opry on occasion or quite often rather so that's pretty that's a pretty good accomplishment. Yeah, it can be a little nerve wracking. <laughs> you took it serious, but not serious enough that you beat yourself up if something didn't go exactly right. Uh, you uh-huh. knew that if you had really had an opportunity to, to nail it down, you would do that. Uh, it was such a great group of players, uh, phenomenal. Uh, Weldon Myrick and Jimmy Caps and uh, Spider Wilson. There were such great players in that band that played on so many hit records. They just knew what to do. And uh, like I said, I started working with the Opry staff band when I was 22 years old. So I got a huge education really quickly from the best. And uh, I am truly blessed. God blessed me with that job. It was a great job. It still means a lot to me. But uh, going out now and doing my thing really makes me happy. That's great. I mean, what did that what did uh, that time at the Opry to transition to your stuff? What did that time at the Opry teach you about being an entertainer, being the person in front? Well, I think the main thing is uh, a lot of entertainers uh, will talk at you. Uh, But Mm -hmm. Mr. Acuff and Miss Minnie and Porter Wagner and those people, they talk to you. They, I mean, they talk to you like they were, you were sitting in their living room. They they didn't Mm -hmm. talk at you. Like I said, a lot of entertainers do that. They talk to you. they were friends, you know. They made friends everywhere they went, and uh, people loved them. And uh, Miss Minnie said one time, just go out there and love them, and they'll love you back. Oh, nice. And uh, I'll never forget her telling me that. Just go out there and love them, and they'll love you back. And I thought, what a great statement. And uh, I try to do that now. When I walk out on stage, I automatically assume everybody loves me because I automatically love them. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's great. And it takes a true talent to be able to do that and to be able to see it. Because sometimes people get up there and they're just so stiff. 
you wonder, what are you doing on stage? Get, get Loosen up. Exactly. So, yes, sirree. You know, so how has how hard has this been on you and your touring schedule, this whole COVID-19, this whole epidemic? How has it impacted you and what you're doing now? Well, it's huge. Um, uh, last year at this time of year, we probably had, I don't know, 30 or 40 dates that we worked. And since mm -hmm. this uh, pandemic has taken over, uh, we haven't had uh, any live work whatsoever because you're only allowed so many people, you know. And, and all these shows that we've had booked for this year have canceled. Uh, it's just the unknown. The year. And so, yeah, it's, so it's kind of a tough year this year. And like I said, I'm used to being out in front of people and, and uh, trying to make them forget their troubles and tell a joke and make them laugh and make them forget about all the troubles of the day. But as it stands mm -hmm. right now, we can't do that. And uh, we're having to find other avenues in order to go out and entertain. And uh, it's just tough. I mean, it really is. I miss going out and meeting people. I, I always enjoyed uh, shaking and howdying with everybody after it was all over. And uh, a lot of people, they just want you to listen to them. You know, they want to tell you their story. And uh, it's funny because I want to hear their story because everybody has their own story. And uh, I, I, so I've, it's really been tough. I've been taking a lot of this time uh, working on a new CD. I figured now's the time when everybody's off the road and not working. Now's the time that we can go into the studio and uh, – put a new CD together. So when things do get back to normal, I have new product out. There you go. That's a way to look at it. Since uh, you, you, you mentioned your tour dates are canceled for the year. I do see them scheduled through like Halloween. So how many were affected? So that way we could have the listeners, uh, you know, check out your website and see what they might be able to attend coming up once this is all done. Well, we need to update because uh, we haven't uh, put the cancellations down yet. Uh, there, there have been many. I am really hoping that we get back to normal, what will be our normal at that time. I'm hoping that somehow, you know, this will be over. Uh, I know October 31st, I'm supposed to be doing the Midnight Jamboree, which is the second longest running radio show uh, on WSM. And uh, I'm looking forward to Halloween because I always like to dress up and do that. But I'm hoping it's way before that that we can get back out and start uh, entertaining and meet with the people again. Uh, the, I, I've already decided this year, whenever I go to the Midnight Jamboree, I'm going to get me a Superman costume. <laughs> <laughs> with all the muscles built in, by golly, I'm not going to work out that much. There you go. So my question for you is what inspires you when you go in to do a new album? Where, what, uh, what kind of country music, what era, what artists, what do you draw from? Well, it's it's really kind of uh, a mixed bag of stuff. Uh, I like uh, all the older stuff, you know, with uh, Merle Haggard and George Jones. I also like uh, like Delbert McClinton and people like that. So. Uh, a lot of my stuff is a mixture. I love the Texas country swing things. 
uh, I like all kinds of music, so therefore, I, I don't want to put myself in one little box and go, I'm just a country musician or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I'm an entertainer. Uh, I believe a good song is a good song. And uh, I found some really good songs. And on this new CD, I have a, there's a new writer by the name of Ethan Phillips, real young boy, about 23. And he came to us and he had two songs that just knocked me out. Uh, so they're on there. Uh, my wife and I, Roxanne and I have written uh, two songs that's going to be on there. Uh, but like I said, I like so much variety of music because uh, being a musician first, I have all those backgrounds with horn bands like Tower of Power and Average White Band. But I also have yeah. Roy Acuff and Wallace Cannonball. It's a wide variety of stuff. I, I try to appeal to uh, not just one specific group of people. Uh, I try to get everybody involved. I think uh, music is music, and if it's good, it's good. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what genre you want to put it in. If it's a good song, it's a good song. What makes a good entertainer? You 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 are an entertainer, and I can tell. I can tell just by talking to you that you are an amazing entertainer. What makes a good entertainer beyond just the musicianship? Well, I, I think being able to connect with people, uh, mm-hmm. little stories and jokes and things. Uh, I actually work a lot of churches. I have a very strong faith foundation. I grew up playing in churches when I was young. And I always tell the story about I was working the church one day, and at the end of the service, the preacher was in the back of the doorway, and people were going out and shaking hands. And this little boy ran up to him and put $5 in his hand. And the preacher said, Bobby, you don't need to do that. And Bobby said, I think I do. My dad said, you're the poorest preacher we've ever had. (laughs) That's funny. That's that's classic. Yeah, but stuff like that. I, I just feel like if you could relate to uh, people who work uh, a nine-to-five job or whatever every day and uh, being able to connect with them on some level, you know, uh, we're all connected. I mean, that's just the way it is. And uh, it's kind of tough for me right now. I'm used to going up and seeing people and hugging necks and shaking hands. I met a, a musician friend of mine the other day at the, the Dollar General store, and I went to reach and shake his hand, and he pulled back, and we elbow bumped. You know, it's just a whole different time period right now, but uh, I do believe God will see us through this whole thing. Uh, I, You know, I just feel like that everything's going to be all right. It's going to be because it has been, and it will be again. Oh, I, I totally agree. And to segue to that, you, you're – for the fifth year, you're coming back to the 2021 Country Music Cruise. Do you have any um, any thoughts on any, you know, I know all that stuff's coming over from a lot of the cruise ships. Does that scare you at all, being in, in what we're facing right now and then going on a cruise next year to perform? Well, I, you know, I really don't think that it's, uh, I think by then we will have what we need Uh that is some of the most fun I've ever had play. Matter of fact, that's some of the most fun I've ever had with my clothes on. It's just been <laughs> the most playing music. I do a dueling piano thing with a girl named Chrissy Sparks, and we have back-to-back grand pianos. We're looking at each other, and we just play songs, requests. But on those cruises, we have like Larry the Cable Guy, Jeff Foxworthy, 
the Oak Ridge mm-hmm. Boys, Pam Tillich, Tanya Tucker, Linda Davis. Uh, the list goes on and on. We usually have about 15 major artists on these crews, uh, and uh, there's only like 1,900 people uh, are allowed to be on, you know, the passengers. And so uh, if you're there, you're there for the music. Music starts about 9 o'clock in the morning. It goes till about 1, 1.30 in the morning all over the ship. Uh, we have been very blessed and fortunate. We've never had any kind of uh, problems uh, medically, you know, no sickness or anything like that. It's been really good for years. I've goes, but I just feel like that uh, we'll we'll have everything under control, and it gives you an opportunity to get away. Like in my case, it was 20 degrees this past week. I thought. Boy, this is a tough life, but but I'm one lucky man. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And and next year you got Josh Turner, Mark Chestnut, Lee Greenwood, Oak Ridge Boys, Sawyer Brown, Mickey Gilly, Jeannie Seeley, Jimmy Fortune, Johnny Lee, Asleep at the Wheel, Mo Pitney, and Wade Hayes, just to name a few that will be joining that with you. And uh, fans can actually uh, save a little money if they do Tim Fan. T-I-M-F-A-N, with exclusive savings when they uh, actually book that trip. So, sounds like a lot of fun. Sounds like you're going to have even more fun when you actually get to get out of your house and go do that. And it sounds like you'll have new music as well. I will. I'm I'm so excited about this new CD. Uh, The last, like I said, this is my fourth CD uh, since I left the Opry. Uh, But this one, for some reason, has really got my interest. Uh, I love the variety of songs, and uh, I, I'm really excited about this one. I was excited about the others, but I guess I'm just to that age where I'm like a little kid all over again because I think this is the one that people will go, you know what, that Atwood guy ain't that bad. He's pretty good. He's got some good stuff going on. When can we expect it released? Uh, somewhere around August, September, right around that time period. We started it back in November. Uh, and it takes uh, quite a while to do it and to do it right, because I really do want mm-hmm. to do it right. I just feel like this is going to be the best CD that I've ever done thus far. We're really looking forward to it. And uh, I can't wait to I can't wait to hear it. And I hope uh, all of this free time that we now find ourselves with means that uh, you can work on it and maybe get it out sooner than you're expecting. That would be great. I would love to be able to do that. Also, I'd like to mention real quick, I just found out uh, – Let's have prayers for Joe Dippy. They just found out today that he has COVID-19, and we cruised together last year on that country music cruise, and he came down and sang a couple songs with, and it's just two pianos. There's no band. It's a very intimate setting, and uh, mm-hmm. it's really cool. But uh, just remember Joe Dippy in your prayers. We certainly yeah, will. Yeah, I just got... Uh... I, I just saw that right before we got on this uh, call, and uh, I, I saw him a few years ago at the fair, and excellent singer and performer, and uh, so best wishes for Joe, and uh, you know, Jackson Brown contracted it, as well as um, Bon Jovi keyboardist David Bryan, they all three are, uh, you know, dealing with that right now, so we hope they uh, recover quickly. I agree with you. Well, you stay safe out there, sir, and we really, really appreciate your time. And uh, thank you for coming on and spending a little bit of this uh, quarantine isolation time with us. Well, I sure appreciate the opportunity. And y'all stay safe. And uh, God bless you. And thank you for all that you do. All right, Matt. So, um, you know, we just heard Tim Atwood. And uh, we appreciate his time 
with us. Um, you know, he had mentioned uh, thoughts and prayers out to Joe Diffie following uh, his diagnosis with COVID-19 on Friday. That interview was recorded on Friday. And, um, you know, I think we all were in shock to hear uh, Sunday that uh, Joe actually passed from that. And we actually had cut a different ending for this, but um, we, we couldn't uh, we, we couldn't air it without, uh, you know, sending our condolences to Joe's family, um, you know, and, and one man, it's just a shocker to, to get that press release. I was really prepping dinner lunch, I guess you could say, on the West Coast when that came through and I, I stopped in my tracks and you did a Facebook thing with your TV behind you yeah with it with it playing and uh, yeah. uh, you know I saw some somebody one of my friends said on Facebook time to prop him up against a jukebox mm-hmm. so I, I think uh, somebody else sent that out too, uh, a couple celebs but I mean I I just turned uh, Joe Diffie's you know YouTube channel on and uh, I almost cried dude like I, I was yeah. not really a huge fan growing up, but as I got older, I really started discovering more of his older stuff. Um, you know, I mean, he was a 90s guy anyway. I, I had several of his albums, but I had never seen him in concert until 2018, and I'm glad I did. And, you know, that was one that um, I was going to cover. I did cover for the website, and I'll, um, you know, that, that link is up. Uh, I did a concert review at the fair locally. And uh, it almost didn't happen. Um, yeah. I, you know, uh, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff goes into prepping even people to go and review shows, and we just didn't hear back in time. But because of, I really wanted to see the show, and I really, you know, I know that they did their damnedest to get me uh, a press slot. So I went and covered it anyway, and I'm so glad I did, man. I, I was front row for the most part. Um, yeah. How was his voice? Oh, dude, it, I, it was unbelievable. Even in his age, I think it was like 59 at the time. Mm-hmm. Still could just like cover so much room in that, you know, and um, mm-hmm. just crystal clear. He, he came out with um, he opened with Third Rock from the Sun, went through all the hits. The only one he didn't perform that I was really kind of surprised was uh, Honky Tonk Attitude. He did not perform that, hmm. but all the other songs uh, that I wanted to see, you know, he uh, he covered them, man. It, it was great. He, he told a few jokes. I've got some stuff out there on social media. You know, you can check us out at the Music Uni or uh, check me out at Buddy Yon, I-A-H-N is the last name. And, um, you know, just uh, check out the review as well because he was just, uh, I've heard nothing but great things about him. Yeah, I'm sorry I didn't get into his music earlier. I've I've heard some things now, with uh, with all of this going on with his passing, and it's like, wow, he really was great. You know, the way I knew him was the was the I think Jason Aldean song, 1994. Yeah, and you know, I don't want to say unfortunately. I don't want to say unfortunately people uh, became aware of him from that, but I'm glad. They did if they didn't know him because, you know, that was, you know, he was already past his hit making years at that point. And for for that to um, song to come out uh, and I'm not a rap guy. You you know that you all know it that know me, but I do like that song. And, and that was super cool that he was mentioned and it really brought out a new younger 
uh, audience to him. And I'm so glad he experienced that. And uh, I'm just, you know, everyone's sad. So, so upsetting. Um, and one person we never meant to pass up either. Um, just we haven't recorded any since. Uh, Kenny Rogers, you know, he passed away a week uh, prior to that uh, from natural causes at 81. So we want to send thoughts and prayers out to his family as well. And, uh, you know, as of this recording, John Preen, uh, or Prine, I'm honestly not quite sure how to pronounce it. Prine. It is Prine. Prine. Um, he's in the hospital with it, but uh, have not reported. It's not looking good. Well, actually, he, he's, he's good. come. Uh, I didn't get to report it yet, but it looks like his wife says he's stable now. He, oh, he wow. was in critical care, but now he's stable. So I know he's like 73, so his age plays a big factor in that too um so hopefully uh he'll overcome it and uh be home soon yeah well his wife has it now too she was because she's been around him so you know it just it just keeps spreading spreading and spreading and just stay home yeah i mean i'm not here to preach but you know you're gonna see it everywhere stay home i mean i'm i'm only running errands that are necessary to like going to the store what i'm a little upset about though <laughs> some of the stores that do allow uh drive up and stuff do not allow you to pick up your essentials because they're so overwhelmed with requests that you have to literally go in the store I'm trying to avoid that at yeah. all possible as i think everyone mm-hmm. should at this point you know because this thing's extended it's... out through like may 1st it's crazy yeah you know, I have a Kenny Rogers story just to end on an interesting note. When he would do his Christmas tours, he would hire, or not hi- I don't know if hire is the right word, but he would look for school choirs, people who were in chorus in school, yeah. and he'd put the call out for little kids to come and be a part of a, a kid's choir on his, on his Christmas shows, local. And so my friend in elementary school, shout out to Kirby, she uh, she knew that I was a country music fan. Oh my gosh, we must have been in me. I don't even know if it was sixth grade. I mean, it was it was a while ago. You're dating me, man. And <laughs> I'm dating myself. <laughs> and sixth grade for me, uh, probably what uh, college for you? No, I'm kidding. Probably um, adulthood, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but so she invites me and my mom. They got they get however many tickets to come and see. And we were like third row for Kenny Rogers. Mm-hmm. And we were told, OK, there's there's an intermission because I think like everybody else, he did a, a standards uh, half and then a Christmas half. So you got to play the gambler. You got to do all oh, you got to do islands in the stream and then you do Christmas. Well, in between, we were told, OK, go backstage. And I think his mom, her mom, excuse me, took me back to a little alcove. Like, you know, in the hockey arenas, how how you can, you know, there's the four corners in the hockey arenas that are the alcoves. Oh, yeah. That are like towards back to the locker room. Yeah. We went back there. He was shaking everybody's hand, but we were not like invited up to go into that line. Hmm. So I got to see him do his greet all of the people, but I don't think I got to meet him directly. Oh. Although I believe I was told that. I believe that Kirby's mama had been told your guests will get to meet Kenny Rogers. Um, but it just, it didn't happen. Right. So it was, but it was still a fun show. Nonetheless, I don't remember much from it. I was so young. Um, 
But yeah, he's somebody I would have loved to see. I did not know he was in as declining health as he was. So well, I mean, they had um, you know over the years he had even canceled his final tour dates uh, a few years back, but uh, they said it was from natural causes. Hmm. So. Yeah, yeah, no, I believe that. I mean, even to watch his last duet with uh, Dolly, that's up on YouTube. He wasn't moving so much. He still had a great voice, oh, yeah. but you could tell he was like there, but not. And I right. mean, I mean, no disrespect when I say that. I mean, it was great that he got to have the send off that he did, because oftentimes when people have a big send off like that, like George Strait doing the AT&T Stadium thing in Texas, mm -hmm. here he comes a couple of years later in Vegas. This really was the end for Kenny Rogers, and, and that'll go down in history. Yeah, and, uh, you know, coming up, some TV appearances. Uh, A&E has a biography series. Uh, it kind of re-sparked with Garth last year, but um, they've got uh, Kenny Rogers, um, of course, Dolly Parton, and uh, a Willie Nelson concert, too. So if you're big into that, uh, you know, check it out um, on A&E. Check your local listings for those coming up. Sad, uh, sad week, sad week and a half for country music. Excuse me, my water bottle plopped. <laughs> uh, sad week and a half for country music, but you know what? We'll come out of it stronger, and we'll always have the music. You know, that's the only way we're going to get through it. Just, just stay home and crank up your music. Indeed. All right, for the Music Universe podcast, I'm Matt. And I'm Buddy. Thanks for listening. <laughs>